Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And here we are, rugby fans, that time again to join us here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show for episode 129, which, by the way, I've been corrected that I cannot count and got the last episode number wrong. And we just covered in the meeting, so we got 129. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about, again, what we do here on the Rugby Rant, and that's continue to be able to share the game that we have all come to love so much here in North America. And I do that alongside my co-host, Scott, the big guy, Ferrara, and of course, uh, Rob, the Hammer Hammer Schmidt. Uh, You know them, you love them, and we are going to listen to more great rants from them here in this episode. But before we do so, it's always good to be able to share a bit of news from across the rugby realms. So we're going to be back in just a moment with Around the Pitch. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. So, gentlemen, you know how it goes. It's time to share what you think everybody should know. And that means that we're going to hand it to you one by one in a rapid fire round to share what news you think is noteworthy, what fans should be taking note of. And we're going to start it off with Rob Hammerschmidt. Thanks. So this next one, you know, again, speaking to what I said last week, which is if we stop this before we get to 50, we're doing somebody a disservice and we run the risk of irritating some, uh, you know, rugby player out there. And we certainly don't want to do that. So I'm just going to go through who has hit that 50 uh, caps uh, with the MLR club. And of course, we're continuing on that list of 50. So I'll go through them uh, quickly as possible. And you notice we're getting more and more with every step, of course, because we're deeper and deeper into the MLR history. So at number 33, uh, we're in his honor, a man, Billy Stewart, uh, the big oak from Rhode Island. Love that guy. All right. Number 33 is Franco Vandenberg from Utah. We've got, of course, number 35, Will Leonard, um, with ATL, um, number 36, Mike Shepard with Toronto. And we're rounding it off this week with number 37, Cole Keith from New England, who was, by the way, one of our special guests. So you can go back in the archives and check him out. But we're getting close, fellas. We're almost to that 50-point mark. And we should almost take, like, uh, maybe with fans, uh, uh, a a pool to see who the 50th player is going to be. I think that would be kind of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if you ask James Dealey, he already knows. Um, <laughs> exactly. He's, he's tracking it. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, he's probably got an inside track on whether he's going to yeah. be on the roster on that day as well. Um, and But it is great to be able to see this kind of continuing through. And it's been one of the themes, as you so rightly pointed out, Rob, from the start of the season to celebrate these players. But it's got to maybe suck if you're number 51. Um, <laughs> it's like waiting in line, you know, for something. And they're like, oh, sorry, we've reached our limit and you're the next guy. <laughs> Um, but you know, of course, we don't we don't diminish what what any of them achieve. It's just a really great way to highlight these successes. And as you pointed out, Rob, the maturity of the league to be able to be this far deep into it that we've got these servants to the game that have celebrated this milestone. So I'm happy that you continue to share it, regardless of 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 what the opinion might be. I think everybody can agree that honoring such a great service to the domestic game here is important. So thank you very much. And uh, you know, I want to dive into a little bit more about the domestic rugby here before I hand it over to Scott uh, to be able to give us his uh, pieces there. This past weekend delivered to us two of the great record-breaking moments in Major League Rugby. One for the better, and unfortunately, one for the worse. And let me dive into explaining why, because on one hand, we've got the upside, and that is the tremendous first-time victory for a new franchise. Of course, I'm talking about the Chicago Hounds. Rob Hammerschmidt was there, (laughs) as well as many of our other supporters. Uh, Rob, uh, thank you very much for that uh, extra color commentary there. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, on you know, on the downside, we have the Jackals, um, who are now on their 21st loss on the trot, um, which now breaks the record previously held by Austin in all its versions of 20 losses. Uh, going into that matchup, they were equal, so they surpassed them. And it's really got, you know, fans fired up for all the right and wrong reasons in some cases. Uh, we've seen the comments online. What I will share, though, is that rugby uh, ultimately is is not a game that you can uh, you can see yourself up all the time. Just like life, it's going to have its ups and downs. And I can imagine for the Jackals fans and the organization, everybody in, in front of there, I'm sure that that's going to turn the corner very quickly because rugby as a whole in this country would become better the moment it does. The more competitive rugby everybody's playing, the more competitive we become as a league, the more competitive we become as a country, and we're behind you no matter who you may support. I think every fan of the league wants to see the Jackals step up on top. So let's Especially have uh, Especially Rick Collins. In the cold, <laughs> he braved it to go all the way out to Chicago. So he is our number one fan of the week unofficially uh, for that one thing alone. Let's hand it over to uh, Scott, the big guy, Ferrara. What have you got, my friend? Uh, well, you know, some some terrible news out of uh, USA 7's rugby. Uh, Alodomar, uh, unfortunately, suffered an injury during training. Uh, ankle injury, very severe. She will be out the rest of the 2023 season and. As you know from Mikey P's uh, episode last week, you know the the women, the USA women, have uh, medaled five uh, legs in a row. They're in third place. They're two points away from second place. They're sixteen points away from first. And let's be honest, you get sixteen points for a third place finish. So it is possible to get there, especially with two legs remaining. But it's going to be tough without one of the stalwarts in there. And then the other thing you have to realize too, we're about sixteen to. Yeah, about 16 months away from an Olympic, uh, Olympic Summer Olympics in Paris, it's going to feature Sevens Rugby as well. So you wonder what the uh, what the rehab time is going to be like for Alona. Uh, we obviously wish her best wishes. But, you know, just one more thing. You know, I always I always got to talk about things that eat, eat my craw. 
Um, there's people out there who are talking shit about her because she's on TikTok and this, that, and the other thing. They've they've meddled every single leg of the 2023 series. They're in the, the that that mix of getting the number one slot for this year. So who gives a fuck what she does with her TikToks because she's kicking ass on the field, and that's all that should matter. And that's the big guy talking. Right, and drawing new, younger audiences to the game and engaging audiences we've not reached before. So absolutely, win all around. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, we hope to be able to see her on her feet very time, uh, very soon uh, in the near future to be able to still make an impact for the remainder of uh, uh, their campaign leading up to the Olympics. But yeah, what amazing results! And uh, what was the other piece that you wanted to to to, to or was that it? You wanted to that, be able to. See- that was that was it. You can move on to Rob. <laughs> Rob, what else did you have to be able to share then? Well, first of all, I, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I'm I'm an old guy, but isn't like TikTok kind of a big deal? I'm just asking. So, so you know, I mean, like everybody else needs to get with get with the program here. All right, my next thing though has nothing to do with TikTok. It has to do with USA Rugby. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing Scott Lawrence. We released it recently. If you guys want to go back and check that out, please do so. I think he lays out a pretty uh, good idea of what his vision is for the men's national team and the high performance pathways. Um, to the men's national team. And in keeping with that, one of the things that he talked about in that interview was that he was going to be seeing every team at least three times in person, every MLR team at least three times in person. And I want to update everybody. Uh, The big guy in the hammer had an opportunity to witness this firsthand this last weekend because on Saturday night uh, after sideline commentary, I went up to the VIP area, uh, went to go grab my wife, and who did I cross paths with? Scott Lawrence. We had a nice chat, talked a little bit about, um, you know, his plans, his vision, et cetera. And then he informed me he was flying to see the big guy. Uh, and and then after he got a chance to catch up with the big guy, uh, watch Rooney and the Free Jacks play. That was kind of the side the side thing he had going on. His biggest thing was he wanted to see the big guy because um, he had never met him before. So anyway, he did get to see Rooney and the Free Jacks. And again, um, keeping with that promise of seeing you know, each team three times. So guys, um, I have no doubt that we have the right person for the job in that position because he is committed to the long-term success of the high performance pathways and the USA men's Eagles. So that's exactly right, Rob. Thank you for highlighting that the interview can be seen in our back catalog with that run parcel kick interview with Scott Lawrence. In addition to all the other great stuff. So do yourself a favor, dive into that. You're going to get some wonderful insights from the current head coach of USA Rugby. And Scott, it's best we hand it back to you before we head out of the around the pitch. All right. So I got some breaking news that broke today while we're recording uh, USA Eagle number 498, Nick Savetta, 2022 uh, MLR champion with Rugby New York, has hung up the boots. Uh, 35 international test caps, uh, the Rugby World Cup appearance in 2019. I believe he wore the number five jersey since he earned his first cap up in, for the next six years. Um, he wore the jersey in every cap over a six-year period, the number five. Um, you know, one of those things it's hard for guys to hang him up for playing, but he says in his statement that he's very happy that his mother and his, his wife had pushed him to do this because it was time. Um, he's still looking to remain involved. He's going to be, uh, um, he's keeping his leadership role as player board chair of USA rugby players association, which is their, the union for the USA Eagles. Um, I know he's looking to get into coaching. 
Um, and I believe he is staying in England for the time being where his wife's family is at Oxford. He'll be at Oxford, I believe, getting in on the coaching level. Um, it's great to see guys who are stalwarts, you know, part of that 2018 team that beat Scotland. Um, you know, it's, it's, you, you always saw him on the pitch for the Eagles. He always fought hard. He always did the right things. He always did the little things, to try and make uh, uh, the team better. We really appreciate the service, Nick, and, and good luck with your future rugby endeavors, brother. Enjoy it. Absolutely. And, and by the way, you forgot the biggest capstone on his career. He appeared on the rugby rant run. Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, he answered probably the most uh, polarizing question yeah. you can ask an Italian American. Is it sauce or is it gravy? <laughs> he answered, he's on team gravy with the big guy. You know it. Love you, Grandma. Well, it's nice <laughs> to know that we certainly get to the uh, the heart of the most important topics here on the show. Uh, and on that note, gentlemen, thank you for sharing your around-the-pitch topics. And again, thank you to Nick Savetta for his service. I'm sure that he will uh, be uh, a tough spot to be able to fill and a great legacy he loves behind. What we're going to do in a moment now is we're going to dive forward into the next piece of our show, and that's the familiar rugby debate part. And on this occasion, we're going to be talking about the merits behind choosing Chicago as the venue decided upon by the league to host the championship final in this edition of Major League Rugby in its sixth season. Do the boys here think that it's a good idea? Of course, probably, but they're also going to be challenged to give us why they think it would not be a good idea. So we're going to get both sides of the argument in a moment when we're back after a few words from one of our sponsors. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your micro crew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Welcome back, rugby fans. Episode 129 of the Rugby Rant show continues here with myself, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, and Rob Hammerschmidt. And on this occasion, we're going to challenge them to be able to tell us why they think. And this is going to be a two-parter. And I say, you know, I say that because really it's, in my mind, two questions here. One is, is it a good idea to be able to share the venue chosen for the MLR final in the regular season? And in past seasons, this was decided by who was the top seed at the end of the, 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 uh, the conference finals um, postseason, right? Now, choosing to go against tradition, they've decided that that venue is going to be the Chicago Hound Seat Geek Stadium for the MLR championship final. We're going to debate this in two parts. 
each of these gentlemen are going to give us what they think is the good and what they think is possibly the bad behind choosing a, or revealing the venue this far ahead as they had done, not done so in the past. And then the second half, we're going to ask them, well, why Chicago? A first-time team in the in this uh, uh, this league. Why did they get this honor? So we're going to hand it over first to Rob Hammerschmidt because I think on the last occasion I handed it over to uh, to the big guy first, right? When you guys were last year. Um, I so I, so I, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> None of this matters. <laughs> Rob, tell us why first you think it is a good idea to be able to share the venue this far in advance. Well, first of all, if you're going to have a neutral venue, you have to announce this far in advance. You have to give an opportunity for that venue to be able to market it properly. Um, And again, in case anybody wants to go back and catch my interview with James English uh, during the first hydration break of the Hounds Dallas match, one of the things that they talked about is being able to have a marketing strategy and plan and to do other things that are going to be built around the final event. And for example, one of the things that they can do is the Midwest Sevens national qualifier is actually happening the day before at the Chicago Blaze, which is really only about 10 or 15 minutes away from SeatGeek. So you're going to have a captive audience of rugby players that are actually going to be in Chicago at that time. And there's lots of opportunities. You can offer discounted tickets to the final, or you could, you know, uh, offer, you know, way ahead of time teams that are at the qualifier. You could offer them, you know, um, a team discount uh, to come to the final. So there's lots of ways you could package this. You could also package it with your local um, clubs, your local youth organizations, and really take advantage of the Chicago and greater Midwest rugby community. So I think those are all the reasons why you do it ahead of time, because you can, you know, you can draw in a huge crowd with a 15, 16 week runway up to the final. Absolutely. I like it a lot. So kind of, you know, uh, touching on, I suppose the key points there is logistically, you know, well in advance, you can plan for it, you can uh, put in the infrastructure and all of that stuff. Uh, And then the the marketing opportunity. So I I suppose it boils down to a greater opportunity to draw fans. Um, Does that sound right to you? A hundred percent. I mean, it's the the number one knock on on not having, uh, on having a neutral, assuming the hounds aren't in it. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, not having a, a neutral final. One of the knocks is, you know, you don't get the opportunity to have a home, you know, home fan attendance. Mm-hmm. Well, so how do you rep, how do you draw in fans otherwise? And I think you, you you count on the rugby community, right? You market the rugby community, and then you have an opportunity to market it towards, you know, the third biggest market in the United States in Chicago. You have Milwaukee, two hours to the north. You have Indianapolis, right. just a couple of hours to the south. You have St. Louis within a five-hour drive. I mean, personally, if I'm an MLR fan and it was in St. Louis or Milwaukee or Indianapolis, I'm driving. I'll make well, it. I'm going to be have to be making that drive from uh, Des Moines, Iowa, yeah. only five and a half hours away myself. Right. So really, it can draw from a lot right. of different areas. Uh, As a matter of fact, Doug Wilkie actually messaged me and he said, hey, I'm thinking about bringing the family in for the final. Look at that. Now you're going 10 hours yeah. away, right? 
Yeah. Uh, so, so it certainly is one of the key aspects. Now, a- again, we're kind of we're kind of blending and and ble- bleeding into why Chicago, but certainly it can. No matter where the venue would be, giving people more time right. to plan for it is wise because you'll have more people participate and engage in that opportunity. So that's the core there, and a really good point. I'm going to throw it over to Scott to give us the counter argument, though. Why should you not put it this far ahead? Let's get hot, baby. So there's a couple arguments there. So obviously Rob talked about the home fans, and there's some home fans that they're they're hoping that their team's gonna win, they're gonna be the top seed, and it's gonna be at their home stadium, so they're not gonna have to travel. You know, some travel traveling for some people is tough, especially if you already spent, let's say, you know, four tickets worth of season tickets, plus the parking, plus tailgating, this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. It can um, all add up very quickly. Exactly, it can all add up. So I, I could see I could see why people, you know, do that. Um, the other thing is, you know. What are we going to do when the the fairness comes in of, okay, we have SeatGeek, we have Snapdragon, but then we also have Starfire, which isn't the biggest venue, right? So if we give it right. a Starfire, what, what is the allotment going to be for away fans, right? Is it going to be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if, if, if Seattle's there, right. you know, are they going to just pack it out, right? And are some um, teams just eliminated from being a choice because they don't have the right venue? Yeah, exactly. Like, what are, what are, the, st- what are the standards in which they're choosing? And this goes back to... Um, transparency that we always talk about with the league, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the, yep. Exactly. So um, the other thing is, and it's funny, this topic has been like this heated debate. It's almost like like the biggest news since, you know, Mrs. O'Leary's cow started the great fire. In Chicago. <laughs> and that's like, why we're talking about yeah. it here. And that's why I mean, I people have been, are talking it. about it for days. I mean, in our, in our little group chat, me and Rob have with some other um, MLR fans, it's, it's still talked about. And Rob is vehemently defending uh, his position, which, you know, he has the right to. Um, but the the other thing is is you know does does the MLR have the juice to have a neutral site venue that's going to pack out the stadium right right so the biggest the biggest thing is we know if it's a home match for one of the teams in the championship at least even if there's an allotment for an away team right you're going to pack out at least half of it probably more like sixty percent probably with your season ticket holders. And you're going to have that atmosphere and make it look good. So what are the odds we're going to pack out SeatGeek? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they have to fill the whole stadium. But, you know, in a neutral site venue, you want to fill a certain amount of the stadium to make it look good on television because these are going to be broadcast on FS1, right? So this is going to be the biggest event of the year. So I think, you know, those are valid points on maybe we're not big enough to do a neutral site venue. Right. So the right idea, but possibly the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so to build on that though, too, two things that I took away there that I think are very, very important for fans to be able to to recognize. One is that it is going to be an additional cost to you to be able to travel somewhere else, whereas you could have had your team earn the right to be able to be the home venue and enjoy the benefits that come with that as a fan of that team. But you lose that when it's chosen as a neutral venue. And also, I want to add on top of that an extra piece, many great and and enthusiastic rugby fans, the best of all in this country, might already have travel plans to go to France to enjoy the Rugby World Cup. I know many of which that are doing so. So to be able to add that in July uh, on top of a September trip to overseas, that's probably not feasible for the the, the, the most enthusiastic rugby fans. Um, so it's a difficult year to be able to choose that perhaps because it happens to coincide with a really big expensive year for travel for others. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I, I also wonder the question is how are they evaluating 
what venues can be eligible for this year on year. Um, you've got Snapdragon being, you know, certainly top venue, as you pointed out. But if you are at Starfire, it's got a limit of 5,000. You can pack that out on a regular season game. What do you do in a, on a final? So really good points there to be able to bring up. I'm going to now throw it uh, 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 to actually, before I do, I wanted to put this little piece inside there. So I did a little bit of research, gentlemen. Previous finals have had an attendance of in 2018 held in Terrera Stadium for San Diego Legion uh, against the Glendale Raptors. 2,500 was the recorded attendance. 2019, again, same stadium, same team, at this time against Seattle. Um, so it was, uh, what do we see? Sorry, it was a conference final before. Actually, no, sorry, this is wrong. So it was both obviously against Seattle, but the the 6,053 was the attendance for 2019. 2020 had nothing. 2021, 7,700 at the Coliseum. So for it to be better than anything there, you're aiming at like 8,000, but you're at 8,000 still going to look like a drop in the bucket in a 20,000 seater stadium. So maybe that's one of the reasons why you've, you need the 16 week run up or whatever it was on the math, but let's hand it back to Rob Hamishman now to be able to answer the question. Why Chicago? Oh, I've got a list. First of all, I, let me, let me first say this. I don't know that necessarily it has to be Chicago. What I would argue is whatever venue you select has to tick some boxes. And let's remember why. Commercialization of the product. The goal, and we have to agree, fans, GMs, players, everybody have to agree, the goal is to get a TV deal which is adding revenue, not costing revenue, right? Sure, yeah. So how do you get the best opportunity to present to major networks that they should want to build, you know, a, you know, a commercial product around the MLR. Their penultimate event has to show out and it has to tick a lot of boxes, right? You have to have a good venue. You know, you have to have a good product on the field. You have to have good sight lines for cameras. You have to have a jumbotron. You have to have a good experience for fans that are coming to the event. You have to be able to make it a reasonable process to travel for all those coming into town. You have to make it a great experience, right? So several venues fit that bill, okay? But I, I want to remind everybody, it doesn't need to be 20,000. It needs to be anywhere from seven to 10 if you had 10, that stadium on camera will look jam-packed because they're showing it from the other side, looking at the fans and all the luxury suites and boxes. Oh, yeah, which, by the way, is another thing that they want at this event because they can sell it to the corporate corporate uh, right. to companies. Yeah, the hospitality suites, the food and beverage services. 100%. Yeah. And so I, what I'm saying is there are very few venues that fit and tick all those boxes, which – now go down, you know, so, okay, so Chicago works. It's in the middle of the country. So when you're going to first put this on, you're not traveling out to Terrell, which is a great stadium, don't get me wrong. But, you know, if it's an East Coast team, which you know it will be, they're going to be traveling 4,000 miles across country, and it's going to be hard for fans to do that, right? As opposed to coming to Midwest, you got two major Chicago, two major airports. It's a middle hub. It's much more easily accessible. So, I, I think those are all the merits of why Chicago works. And it, and again, not that it has to be Chicago. I just think for this first event, it made that it made some sense. 
Okay. So let me hand it over to, to – oh, and before I hand it over to the big guy to be able to give his counter-argument – some evidence and some context. Chicago has, of course, been successful in hosting large-scale rugby events in the past, although yeah. not at SeatGeek. Um, well, no, the, the, the New Zealand Mounties against the United States. I mean, that, that practice, right. I think that had 16,000. So the, the, the two that I have here as great examples, both Soldier Field being the largest capacity possible, um, USA Rugby versus uh, um, New Zealand All Blacks 2014, a record attendance. Uh, yeah, 61.5 is what they have here. And then 63.250 uh, total for the uh, Maori All Blacks and uh, Ireland New Zealand game. So certainly it doesn't fail to be able to be a hub for rugby. And because it's a hub of travel and entertainment, the secondary and tertiary benefits, as you so rightly pointed out there, Rob, and why, of course, Chicago has been a suitable venue in the past. And one could believe it will be in the future. There's the point there on that one there. Let's hand it over to Scott, the big guy, to tell us why it might not be the best choice. Well, here's here's the thing. I, I don't think – right now I think it's the best choice. And I, th- I have to agree with Rob on that. Sure. Um, I, do think, I do think having it in the center of the country is better for both teams, West and East Coast, better for both fans. Chicago's a hub. It's easier to get flights to Chicago. Um, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to stay in the city limits. You can stay outside the city limits if your, um, funds limited, um, you know, and, and, t- and take a small hop on, a, on an Uber to the, to the, the field. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a event They're They're building it up to be a weekend event. Um, and, and one of the things I want to talk about, which might be a pro, and I'm hoping this is happening. I'm hoping, you know, cause Rob talked about, and, you know, maybe Rob can speak more of this. I don't know if he can. SeatGeek, you know, giving a 16-week run-up to this and this and thing. Is this something the MLR is doing? Because if you remember, my biggest pet peeve about the MLR is when it comes to centralized events like this, they need to take over. Chicago right. needs to worry about game day weeks one yeah. through 16. This is not right? a Hounds event. This is an MLR event. Exactly. And this is one of those things where I, I beat the drum that the MLR needs to take over needs to make sure they're the ones doing this work because if it if it lays on the team to do this work that that gets the venue picked i gotta be honest that's a that's they're at a big disadvantage trying to figure out all this stuff which is really a league-wide thing and you know which is which is which is something so i mean i i think chicago is the best right now it's it's that that market we looked into um that we always wanted the midwest everybody's talking about midwest midwest with what midwest we have it chicago it's center it's also going to be june in chicago you know, when you talk about other venues, do you really want to go down to Miami? Do you really want to go down to NOLA? I mean, sometimes I don't want to stay in New York in, in June. You know what I mean? It was it was so hot at the final in New York at Red Bull Stadium. I'm not joking. One of my kids got heat stroke. I wish I was kidding. I wasn't. Um, so, like, where, where do you really want to be in those situations? Um, again, I think also giving a neutral site venue makes gives – the expectation of each team having to travel, you know, that sets up an even keel for that. Cause you know, mm-hmm. fans talk about, Oh, we only have a one week to make our decision on what we're going to do. Well, the team that's the away team going to a home team championship, they, you know, having all the travel and all the, all the other things you have to deal with for an away match, completely different. I'm sure the MLR is always working on flight, you know, flight uh, ticket blocks. They're working on, um, um, uh, hotel blocks. They're obviously working on schedules where the teams can can come in and practice because obviously they're going to fly in probably that Tuesday 
and be there and acclimate themselves with some practices and captains run way before the championship is ever kicked off. So again, I think don't, I, I, I agree with Rob. I really don't think, you know, at this, I mean, you can have it at Snapdragon and all this stuff, but San Diego has had it in the past due to seating. Um, so I think this is really the best option. And, and again, if the MLR is the one controlling this, they're finally getting something right at that portion. Now, if they can only control the freaking youth program and not put that shit on the goddamn teams, then we really be rolling. Well, you bring up a really a much greater question, though, is who's responsible for its success and, and you know, and, and the other argument, failure, if it doesn't go according to plan. And the onus right now, I have to imagine, is, is on the Chicago Hounds who have boots on the ground. Um, but yet they don't have the experience and, and uh, yet to be able to, to prove that they've done it. They've hosted a couple of home games. So the argument could be, well, maybe if you're going to do this for the first time, maybe you shouldn't choose a first time team. They haven't logistically got the experience yet, but you would, the counter argument would be, well, then you've got somebody who's an experienced CEO in charge who has worked in the league elsewhere. And these are the type of conversations people are throwing around. And for one argument, there's always another. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to, just as you so rightly pointed out, and, and to put it in, in my own words, this is, should be an MLR event, not a Hounds event. Now, if well, they're well, present, well, yes. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I, Rob, you want I, to jump in? Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think that's true to an extent. I think the MLR has got to set forth their expectations, and they've got to take a role and responsibility in, in many of the pieces, right? But then, right. you know, Again, going back to what I said earlier, with a Midwest Sevens qualifier happening, you know, within the ten miles, um, mm-hmm. with a large youth organization in Rugby Illinois, with a lot of colleges. Now it's not going to be college, you know, season, but you know, um, you've got a lot of different college organizations around. I mean, and and several great clubs. Uh, that's where the Hounds can kind of pick up some of that responsibility and say, okay, Almalar. How do we want to? Oh, I certainly point? think that they're going to work in, yeah. in conjunction with each other. There's yeah. certainly a synergy. There's definitely a benefit. I think but we just we just don't MLR want has... all the work to fall on Chicago sure. when they're yes. trying to one, like Ty said, you know, really nail down their game day experience and working with a new stadium and working with these new vendors, and also making sure the players on the field are doing what they're supposed to do, yeah. knowing that we already know that Chicago had an issue preseason right. with some of their guys getting there at different times, and you know, so. So my, I think what, what the point is, is not that the MLR is going to take it over. It's just going to be an MLR-only event. Obviously, the Hounds organization is going to be part of that. But what can we do to lessen some of that drag that's going to happen sure, right. in the front office sure. and with the exactly. staff? Exactly. And one of the biggest that. ways is finances, right? I would have to imagine they'd have to be able to to free up some of this, this franchise fee for marketing this event. That shouldn't come out of a Hounds pocket. Right. And and or any venue that's chosen as the host. We're talking about hounds now, but any venue in the future. This is obviously going to create a a, a trend. And and on that note, is Miami being the new partner to come in next year going to be the home venue? Sorry, the uh, the chosen host venue. If that's the tradition. July. No, well, well, we don't know. Right. We don't know. Indoor. I mean, I guess that's one of that's and, and you go back to the original the original question about you know, a neutral site venue. I think it's important to remember two things. First of all, if you go back two years, do you remember that picture of Shane Skinner sitting on a balcony on his phone the day after they qualified for the semifinal? And he is calling around in Seattle to try to get a venue or figure out when Starfire is available. No pressure, right? (laughs) Because because it's a shared space, right? Regardless of where it's at, if you do it 16 weeks in advance, you've booked you booked it for the time and date that you want. 
Right. You don't have to try to figure out where this thing is going to be hosted. And Rooney had the same issue last year when they made the Red final. Bull, yeah, they suddenly had they, to. They, they, I mean, they had to find out and get Red Bull organized within a week's time. And and I'm sure Scott can attest to the challenges that that presented the Rooney organization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And we agree. I mean, it seems like we're all in agreement that choosing a neutral venue this far in advance definitely has its upside. Absolutely. Um and I guess what, what, what we kind of dived into was is who has then ownership of that event. Certainly, you want to work with the organization that's boots on the ground, so to speak, the ones that are going to be creating the game, game day experience uh, and give them that. But what support, I wonder, comes from the MLR? And here's the thing, though. If you announce the venue... Um, I don't see any travel packages being announced yet. I don't see any advertising of that venue having been shown online. The announcement was made, and immediately after that should be the marketing campaign. And I don't see that a couple of weeks later. Um, so, you know, the fans should well, already be thinking about Hold on. We're, only, we're only four or five days away. I mean, we're, we're, we're not a couple of weeks. It, it, was, it happened okay. last Thursday from when this was being oh, that's recorded. True. That's true. be a little bit fair. But, yeah. You know, um, and, and and not that your point is, is isn't valid. I think it's very valid. I mean, they hit they need to hit the ground running. They have a short window in which they need to get this orchestrated. But you know, certainly the marketing would would be benefit uh, would benefit yeah. from getting going as soon as it possibly can. So in the future, I mean, we we sound like we're in favor of choosing a neutral venue and letting fans know well in advance. It might even be you know before the season starts. Um, and maybe that will be Miami. And what would be the advantage of choosing a new team is that it opens up to a new market. Um, both of them are going to be key partners in the growth. Um, if we're looking ahead, there's a lot of great advantages. So I think that ultimately the, the, the conversation now is leading to the fact that we're all in agreement that choosing a neutral venue does make sense at this far in advance. And Chicago is a good fit because it allows a new, to be brought to a new market. It's a hub of activity, entertainment, easy to travel to, and all the great benefits that come alongside with it. They're obviously going to continue to be able to improve their game day experience throughout the season, and they'll have a helping hand from the MLR when they need it. Um, But support is never far away, and I think that the fans themselves will recognize that and want to be able to participate in that. I myself will be doing the drive. Uh, I hope to be able to do so if work doesn't and life doesn't get in the way. Um, So I will finally be able to get to get up to uh, Chicago and see a game there with you, Rob. That'd be awesome. You're, 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 you're Mikasa, but I got to tell you, you're going about it the wrong way, mate. Like, yeah. as soon as they announced it, I texted my wife, don't make plans for July 8th. Yeah. The date is booked right now. She's, so, you know, my fear uh, is I'm probably going to be traveling for work and I, <laughs> but hopefully I can change that, change the, change my stars. <laughs> So, gentlemen, uh, I think that we've we've covered everything that we need to hear. I wanted to be able to remind fans that they, of course, can jump in the conversation at any point by watching us online under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You're more than welcome to be able to tell us if you think we're spot on or far off base. Whatever it might be, we encourage the debate. So let us know by under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod where you can continue to get episodes just like these week after week as we continue to grow rugby one fan at a time here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Gentlemen, it's been another tremendous debate. I think ultimately uh, rugby is and, and the league is going to be the winner and the fans too by uh, having all this happen in the right time, in the right season with a new franchise and exciting rugby to come. 
Let's go ahead and say thank you to all our fans for joining in, and we will see you at the next. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.